Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitzman. I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News presented by the Harrier. And today we have a very special guest joining us, a three-time national champion, uh, twice in the shot put, uh, once in the discus, uh, Bowerman finalist for this year in track and field. We have a thrower from Arizona State, uh, Turner Washington. Uh, Turner, thanks for, uh, for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. No problem. No problem. So uh, before we get into some of the track and field stuff, I uh, was interested in some of the things that you've been doing off the track. Um, I know on your Instagram, you posted a few paintings that you've had. Um, are you, have, how long have you been interested in art and you know, what got you interested in, in starting doing that? Uh, it's fairly new, like during COVID, kind of needed something to occupy my time. So I'd say last August, I was like, you know what? Well, I was seeing this girl and she was kind of in the art. So she kind of got me into it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this thing a try. And then I made one and I was like, it wasn't too good. But I just kind of like started looking at other artists like Bas Basquiat. He's like a major, he's my favorite painter. So I really started look, studying his stuff and kind of looking at that. And that's where I got a lot of inspiration from and then just kind of over time I just kept sticking to it and then made a couple pieces that I, I liked and wanted to show off so yeah it's it's fun and it's it's a good it's a good transition kind of where I see throwing as an art form in of itself and a way of expression so painting it's the kind of the same same effect on me yeah how is it I guess it must be nice having that outlet from everything track and field track and field throwing 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 like it must be nice to be able to get away and just be like okay I'm just gonna take this paintbrush and just let it you know flow and you know get emotions or whatever out on, on that's, the canvas. that's exactly what it is it's a it's a chance to distance myself from school or track and just focus on like really just being in the moment and just letting like not letting anything in the outside interfere with that mm-hmm are you doing any pieces now or are you uh, on pause right now at the, the start of the season? Yeah, I'm on pause right now. School's been keeping me pretty busy each weekend. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to start painting again. And then each weekend goes and I, and I, I don't start, but hopefully this Saturday is the day that I start another one. There we go. There we go. We know we'll, we'll see your, hopefully we'll see one of your paintings in the Louvre or, or yeah. something like that soon, right next to the Mona Lisa. Do you, do you have your like signature down yet? You know what? I know that the artists like to put their little signature in the bottom corner. You have a special yeah, tasty tea. Tasty tea is the, the artist name. So there you yeah. go. If you ever see some tasty tea stuff hanging up on the wall, you know exactly what you're, you're looking for. So there you go. Um, outside of art, what are some other things that you, you know, you like to do to kind of get your mind off of, of school or, or throwing anything else that you're kind of uh, you're interested in there? Uh, honestly, like just something simple is just like going for a, drive like whenever I go drive home to Tucson honestly that hour and a half drive is some of my favorite time just because you know the just focusing on driving listening to music so I really like that aspect and then I've started I've, I've never been a big reader but I kind of I've got started getting into that more focusing on kind of like leadership books um reading uh uh what is I forget the one of Jocko Wilkes books the name yeah in my mind right now but yeah, so I'm, I'm enjoying that. And then really just hanging out with my friends. I live with two throwers and yeah, we just sit around and shoot the shit all day. 
And that's, that's also just, it's super nice to live with like-minded people who have the same appreciation for the throws as I do. Oh, I know what you mean. That's uh, something that one of my favorite things, a lot of my closest friends, well, uh, I was a pole vaulter. So a lot of my close friends now are, are vaulters and just, you know, being able to, whether it's talking about the sport or, you know, we, a lot of us have similar views because we're all kind of crazy. Like if you're a pole vaulter, you got to be a little wild. Yeah, you so. got to be a little crazy, you know, yeah. you're all alone, just like in the throws, you know, it's, it's you and your technique and not much else matters, but yeah. Exactly. Well, one book I'd recommend because I read it not too long ago. You might like uh, "You Can't Hurt Me" by David Goggins. Oh, uh, I listened to audiobook. Yeah, that that book goes hard. That was yeah. That was also I read that I read that book going into last season, and I think it definitely helped in some regards, like in that aspect of the, the weight room, just being able to like dissociate yourself from the the pain of lifting or whatever it is that you don't want to do, and just being like at the end of the day, you know, I'm not going to be a bitch here. I'm gonna get this stuff done. Exactly. Yeah, that's the similar thing for me. Like, it's the biggest thing that hit me hard in his his book was when he was like, "Yeah, I was doing uh like pull ups or whatever, and I shorted myself on one rep, and so I had to do the entire practice over." And I was like, "I was like, yeah." I, there was one time I like was going out for a run, and I like, I stopped like a hundred meters short, and I was like, "Nope." run it back we got to do it again i was like it's just the don't finish you you, you got to finish with your start mentality it was so good that book's it's infectious it really just makes you it makes you look at yourself in the mirror and what it is that you're doing to actually achieve your goals and dreams exactly yeah it it was a a really good help for me and and seeing that it was a book you read that went into the season which was kind of like a a breakout year for you it it looked like it it did pretty well uh you know going into this past year i mean could you kind of touch on that? Like, what was it, what was it like? Cause you even, you started off very strong with, with your indoor campaign. Um, could you kind of talk to us about, you know, what was it like, you know, going through this entire year and was it, was it like a whirlwind or could you like, how, how did it go for us? Bring, bring us inside. Uh, your head. It was, it was definitely a whirl, whirlwind, but we had, there was a certain set of expectations that my coach and I both had, and we knew what it is that we could accomplish with this season. So starting with the indoor, that was, it was, it was, it was the first time in my college career that I, I think I learned how to compete. You know, I, the, the, the meet I broke the na- indoor national record, I was behind and my coach was like, you got to start competing right now. And then kind of got after me. And that's when it, when it finally clicked. And I was like, this is how you do it. And it was also this feeling when like with COVID happening and being forced to go home, you, I, you, I had more appreciation for every chance to compete. So, and then I developed this mindset of two things are going to happen. You're either going to lose or you're going to win. And at the end of the day, if you lose, it's not that big of a deal. It's just on to the next. And then carrying that mindset and I kept winning, winning, winning. Cause I think uh, a thing that really held me back was the fear of losing, which ultimately crept back into the, my mind during the Olympic trials can touch on that later, but yeah, so then go, just carrying that idea of like, you know what, this is a sport, it's throwing, I love it, and this is what I, I, I choose to do. So just see it that way and enjoy every throw that you have and every chance, because you never know like you might when, when it's going to be taken away. So having that approach and just seeing each competition as the biggest competition of the year, not because not, that's, that's a theme my coach Brian Blutrick harps on is it's like when you get in the nationals, it's no different than any other meet, you know, it's just, it just has a different name attached to it. So thinking that way, it helped to where 
I uh, helped me not grow, I would say, fatigued as the season dragged on starting in January and going all the way through June. But yeah, it was it was an exciting time. And that's the thing with throwing. It's so it's so much confidence based that if you can keep on that path and boom, 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 it makes things a lot easier. And I think that's part of the reason why like pregnant Krauser does so well. It's because it's consistent. He's consistent every single meet to where he's confident every time he steps in the circle that he's going to be able to do Ryan Krauser type things. Yeah, he's had an insane year. I mean, so sneak peek for everyone listening. I'm going to break out my uh, my top 50 of the athletes of the year. But Ryan Krauser is my number one. I think he had the best track year of anyone in the entire any. It doesn't matter, male, female, anyone had an insane year. Um, but you, you mentioned that you learned really this year how to compete. Like, could you kind of like, w- like, you know, what, what do you mean by that? Like, was it like, what, what kind of like flipped on you where you were like, okay, this is what it's like to be in a competition to, to make sure that I'm, you know, I'm going, going for the win here. I think it's just being entirely absorbed in that moment. You know, you can't, and it's not the thing the moment, a competition is a practice. And the way I see see throwing and try to develop throwing in my mind is I don't think how to walk you know we just walk it happens so when I step in the circle during a competition I shouldn't be thinking about hitting this technique hitting this cue doing this doing that I just need to throw and if I do what I what I've trained all year and trust the training that I've done that's the major thing is trusting the process and if at the end of the day when you step in the circle you know that you've done everything as you, you need to do training wise being confident in that and that's, and that's where I, th- I think it stems from is learning how to compete is just trusting that you're prepared for that, that particular situation. Yeah. It's the, the buildup of everything that leads to like where you are, like you're practicing, like you guys are starting practice in what September, August for competitions that don't start until January. It's like, like, it's, so you got, there's all this buildup for what will be what six throws for your first six competition. Throws. Yeah. Like, and then- I think it's also another thing that's being able to control the adrenaline is the control adrenaline is a it's a it's a legal steroid in my opinion. You know, you can either let it destroy you or you can let it take that shot put or discus further than anyone else. And that's a major thing is getting in these meets and the NCA system where the throw specifically the shot put so competitive, if everyone's healthy, it what it comes down to in a sense is who's mentally there in that moment, who's not letting the competition become bigger than them. Granted, staying healthy is the most important part of that aspect, but yeah. Yeah. There's a a lot of really competitiveness, uh, competitiveness going in here. And it's what can you do to to kind of harness your, your adrenaline, adrenaline in a healthy way? Because like for me as a vaulter, it was like, if you have too much adrenaline, like you're going to overshoot your steps and then you're going to be under, it's not going to work. But if you can harness it in a healthy way, like you can hit, you know, hit all those cues and be, you know, in a really good spot to do something really special. Be relaxed, but intense. Exactly. Exactly. And so, uh, you're, I think your, your dad, right. Was a, a, a thrower as well growing up. Uh, yeah. could you touch on what it was like being like, you know, having a, you know, your dad be a, a big time thrower. Um, and did that have any, you know, guidance into how you're, you're in a similar type of situation, uh, nowadays? Yeah, so growing up, like, there was always the world championship medal in the China cabinet, so be it. But it was never it was never a big deal, you know. Like, growing up, I wanted to be a football player, so I didn't think anything of it. And then when I really started getting serious 
and about throwing my sophomore year, everything became like, oh, you know, like I have this resource here. And then he was my coach for most of my high school career up until midway through my, like my junior year, I started working with his friend who's a mentor and like basically an uncle to me now. But growing up with him, it was, he didn't, it was never forced on us. It was just, uh, it was more for a way that we were able to connect on something and do together. So it was kind of like, it was like, you know, like some dads and sons throw the ball back and forth for us. It was, we'd go out and throw the disc. Just a heavier ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, just a heavier ball, a lot heavier ball. But now to where it is, like now it's more picky. I pick his brain about kind of like the mental side of things, like how he handled competition, how he approached training. And just, yeah, just simple things like that that make all the difference of just having that kind of resource in your corner and not, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so like now when you're looking back, like since you're, you know, you can probably more appreciate the, you know, what what he did as as an athlete, what, what's it like now? Look, when you're talking about those things, like how to mentally cue in, um, you know, because you can probably go back and take a look at the competitions and, you know, you see the, the medals there and it's like, oh, yeah, that's that actually is extremely impressive. Like, what's yeah. it like now as a, a thrower trying to get to those levels, you know, having you know, a resource like that? Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it definitely helps. But at the end of the day, like one of the, the biggest pieces of like or not piece of advice he told me was a simple fact that if you choose to down, go down this path, it's, it's a lonely journey. And that, and that being able to appreciate that and knowing that this isn't a sport that makes you millions of dollars. It's something that you have to do purely out of love. Mm-hmm. And that's and at the end of the day, it's all about the love for the sport. Yeah. It's, if you're, you're not going to make, you know, boatloads of money. Like you said, you're interested in football, probably could have made, you know, a good amount there. Um, actually with that, you know, with you being one of the, the premier throwers in the country, did you have any reach out from Arizona state's football coach? Like, Hey, you want to try out for the team? Has, no. has anything like that happened yet? <laughs> no, that hasn't happened. No. Yeah. All right. So yeah, they're, they're staying on the other side of things. All right. So they're letting, they're letting you, uh, they're letting you throw. Um, was interested. So when you saw the, uh, the Bowerman's, uh, finalists coming out. And so, uh, for those that don't know, Bowerman is essentially the Heisman of track and field. And there it's down to the, the three finalists. I believe it's yourself, uh, Javon Harrison and Cole Hawker. Um, mm-hmm. what was it, what's it like being in that final three for the biggest award in our, our, our NCAA sport right now? Uh, it means everything just spit like on one side of the thing it means everything the fact that uh like a thrower is getting that type of recognition and then also like it really i didn't i didn't really when it first came out i was like oh so be it like i kicked ass this year of course i'm on there but then i really started thinking about what it meant and it's the fact that whoever the committee recognized saw me as one of the three top track and field athletes in the country out of the thousands and it, 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 it's the, it shows me that everything I've done and all the sacrifices I have made leading up to this point are starting to pay off. And it's, and it's, and it's, I knew that, that like they were, but that having that recognition, it, sh- it helps me, helps, it helps continue to motivate me to be, continue being great at what it is that I do and even better, wanting to be better. You know, it's like I, next year, this time of year, I want to, know for a fact that when I go to Orlando the Bowerman's gonna be mine this year probably not but that's the goal going into the next 
this coming season along with many other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, one thing that was funny from Ryan Croucher, he was saying, it's cool to know whenever I throw a PR, it's also a world record. Well, for you, it's similar where it's cool to know whenever you throw a PR, you're probably throwing a national record as well. Uh, what's it, what's going into those things where, you know, now you're trying to beat a lot of those numbers that you set yourself, you know, what's that, what's that like going forward with how you can still stay focused? You know, you have already competed and, and, you know, won a lot of the awards that not many people, you know, get to win in their career. Oh, luckily, fortunately with throwing, all you have to do is look at a video and you can see where you went wrong on a record breaking throw. So it's that it's knowing that, Hey, I still have this much room to improve. I am a, I have the national record in the shop, but I don't have a 400 pound bench. So that's an area like to improve upon. So it's just, there's a lot of, it's, it's recognizing what you did well and where you can improve and then maintaining those things that you did well, and then continually improving what it is that you can improve upon. So there's never like this, I never have the idea like, oh, I hit my ceiling because I always feel that I can improve something. And then once, once the technique's pretty set, you can get better rhythm and you better feel for the shot. Cause when it comes to the shot, this is my third going into my fourth year of rotational shot. I didn't throw. So it, relatively in the grand scheme of things, the shot put is a new event for me. And it's, and that's what, what really, uh, what I really like about the sport because I, I with the event because I feel like I can I can reach whatever heights that I'm willing to take it to mm-hmm. and uh, I know we touched on it uh, a little bit but could you um, you know describe how that throw that national record throw was like did it go and you were like oh yeah this is it or were you kind of surprised when you you heard the number read back to you oh when when, when you hit when a shot put like, you know, when you hit a shot, the way it comes off your hand and your, and then it's also the sound of the crowd. That's one aspect. And then another thing is you don't have to worry about watching to see when it, where a throw lands, if you hit one, because you're going to have time to come out of your reverse and see it land. So that's another aspect. And then just the line, when I saw it go past the line, I was like, Oh, Oh damn. You know, not cause I was, I was more concerned with winning the meet. I didn't, I wasn't trying to break a record. I was just trying to throw, honestly, on that day, I was trying to throw, I think, 2146. Mm-hmm. And then when it came off my hand, I executed a key aspect of my technique that I needed to. And then, yeah, then it happened. Mm-hmm. And it's also like you can feel like when you have that much in a meet, you can feel things in a throw that you, you, you can't feel in the uh, like a practice just because you're so dialed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so could you. Uh, then take us to your your outdoor uh, championship. So you're able to win two championships there with with the outdoor shot and the and the discus as well. Um, you know how did how was it going there? I mean, and obviously, I guess I'm kind of uh, yeah. We'll start there. I had a second question, but let's just lump it in there. Yeah. yeah how how did the, the nationals go there? So going into nationals, it, I was I was pretty stressed out to be honest because I had just injured my groin what was it three weeks before I wasn't able to throw up the pac 12 conference championships. And then the regional assist set up, that's a whole nother discussion for another time. But uh, I wasn't, I wasn't able to take the same number of throws a week that I was used to taking. So the rhythm was definitely off, but going into those, knowing where, what, where I was at, I also knew that, Hey, like I said before, just trust all the other training that you have done. And 
when it comes to when it came to the shot, you know, it's you have a powerhouse like Adrian and guys, and those guys, big name guys. Forget not forgetting McKay. Like there's a lot of guys that all have the potential to throw over 70 feet and potentially even break the national record in that meet. You just never know what's what's going to happen. So for me, it was just, I knew I had a, I had one cue in my head that I needed to work in the shot. And I just kept working that, working that. And then finally I hit, I hit a bigger throw. But, and then when it comes to the discus, the discus, it was, I was just like, you know, I've been, I've had most of my throws all year. I've had throws and meets over 64 meters. If I go into this meet and do what I've been doing all year, I'll be fine. And that's, that's ultimately what ended up happening. And then on that meet, it was also the big thing I learned is the importance of hitting a big throw in your first round, just because then it gives everyone else they have to chase you. And being in that position in a national championship is pretty stressful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice to you know, start off with that lead so you don't have to worry about your last throw being, yeah. being the big one. You want to go into the last round saying, let's, let's see what else we can do. So. Like, Six, six round throws are great, but I'd rather win a meet on my first and PR on the sixth throw. Exactly. Exactly. There you go. Um, and then, so then want to fast forward a little bit there. You, so your Olympic trials, I believe you decided to just, was it just the discus you decided yeah, to focus on? Just the discus. Yeah. Yeah. So could you break down, you know, what went into, you know, deciding just focusing in, in on the disc and um, you know, how you, you know, how the experience went uh, with everything there? So focusing on the disc, we were like, this is the meet, this is the event where you have the best chance of making it. And then also consider like, and with the shot, you know, like the way my coach and I saw it, we're, hey, we're not really in a 22 meter shape right now. So there tech basically really be no point in throwing it. And just so we could really focus more on one event. That was the, that was the main decision of why we just threw the discus at the Olympic trials. Mm-hmm. And then, what was the, how was the experience for you being, you know, it was your first Olympic trials, you know, could you break us down how it, how it all went for us? Yeah. So I would say like, I look at my history of first championship meets and they're, they're never successful because it's always your first time in that setting. And I think that was definitely, that's what happened. But I was, I was, I was, I was going through the motions during that competition. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't compete at all. And Ultimately, yeah, I, I didn't even make the finals. But, and it was also, that was just a, a, a great learning experience. Like I try to take a positive out of that. And it's, yeah, you know, I, I didn't make it, but what did I learn? I learned that, hey, if you're gonna, if you're gonna show up to meet, you better compete your ass off. Because that was the worst feeling. Was It wasn't that I didn't make the, the team. It was the fact that I knew that I left it a lot out on the table. Mm-hmm. And then when you see, and then watching, the Olympics watching what made the team and it's just like damn you know so and that's like that's it's what's in the back of my mind now like whenever I'm doing something that I'm like oh, I don't want to do this or if I really need to get in a zone like for a heavy lift I think of that feeling of what it was like walking into my hotel room knowing that uh, I would have to wait a little longer to achieve one of my childhood dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you definitely have plenty of, of time to, you know, work on your craft and, and be able to be in that position where you can, you know, make that your first uh, U.S. team there. Um, and so yeah, before we, we sign off, because I know you got a, a lift going on, 
one of my friends wanted to know what is your cheat meal, your go-to thing that you love just to, when you're not worried about the calories, just let me, let me pick out on this for a bit. Yeah, definitely a cheat meal for sure. Pizza, you know, I'm, I'll, I love pizza and then chicken wings, but the, now my, my go-to meal, like for example, right now, not a cheat meal for, by any means, but what I, what I have to, what I think I have to do to gain weight it's all about the chicken shakes, everybody. You gotta, you gotta blend two pounds of chicken a day and drink it up. You know. Oh man. <laughs> eating, eating, eating two pounds of chicken takes too long. No one has that much time in their day, but you can drink it and pound it down, and that's 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 a secret recipe to me. That's what that's if you want if you want to hit big throws, you gotta start blending your chicken. How do you, do you get used to that taste? Like I feel like that's. So like can't be great. I'm, right now I'm putting hot wing sauce in it. So it tastes like basically just tastes like chicken wings. There you go. You heard it here first. If you're a shot putter looking to gain some weight, chicken shakes is where you got to go. Put some hot sauce in it. You'll be good to go. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Turner, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, where could people go if they wanted to follow more about you throughout the, the season on social media or whatever it might be? Oh, definitely Sun Devil Track and Field. Our media guy, Will Edmonds, he does a great job at keeping everyone informed. And then I'll definitely, I'm trying to be more active on my own social media as well. So yeah, Turwashing 99. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Turner, for joining us. And, and thank you to everyone for listening. This has been another episode of Track World News. Uh, if you're interested in more clips and stuff like that, follow us on Instagram at Track World News. Uh, also, make sure to leave a like, uh, review and all that on the show it really helps us know you're enjoying things. But uh, thank you to everyone. Have a good one and peace.